Hey y'all, it's Jean Nathan with Crosstown Conversations at our new home on Wednesdays at 2. And um, I hope some of y'all who've been following the show are out there. And I want to hear from you, you know, about whether this new time frame is a good one or not. Um, Not a whole lot I can do about it, but I'm just curious to hear from you. So uh, do give me a call um, or um, you can email me at uh, jnathan.ci at gmail.com. We have a really interesting show today because we have some real doers. I like doers. I like people who get things done. And um, we have, um, first up, a a gal who has been uh, working to help other women um, get into the tech fields. You know, a lot of us are sort of leery of it. I know I was kind of more of a uh, verbal than a math person in my life, which kind of took me away from the idea of technical. Um, but that's where things are going, and so getting women into that field is really important. So we're going to talk with her. We're also going to talk with um, Lee Rouse uh, from the LSU Act Center, and we've got that great big spring garden show this weekend, and I can't miss that thing. It is just there's so much uh, great um, you know, material to enhance whatever style garden you have, and so we're going to talk with him a little bit about that. And then Here's my real favorite thing, Brian Knighton from the Broad Theater, that brand new art film theater on Broad Street, right in the middle of Mid-City, not down there in the crowds in the French Corner or way out in the suburbs. No, it's right in the middle of town. So we're excited about that. We're going to talk to him. So let's get started. We're going to talk with Flor Cerna. She is the founder and executive director of The Electric Girls. What? is the Electric Girls. Electric Girls is an organization they founded a little bit over one year ago. And essentially, we take a group of girls at a time from all over the city, different schools, and we give those girls basic skills in electronics and programming, and then the space to use those skills in their own self-directed projects. So let, let, let's, you know... <laughs> What, how would, what does electronics mean, and what does programming mean? Every time I hear about programmers, and of course I have to work with them all the time, it's, it's, like, this, it's like magicians. They yep. do this mysterious stuff that you just don't understand or have a clue about, and I have a feeling that it's maybe not as intimidating as we think it is. True. It's not. Um, and I learned that by getting a minor in computer science at Loyola. I had no idea what it was until you know, I stepped foot into my first classroom. But it's essentially um, a method of creating anything using computer code. So talking to a computer um, to create something. An example of a project that one of our girls did that I love so much was a screensaver called Puppy Party, of a puppy that rotates under a disco ball and changes colors as it's rotating. Um, And obviously that's something that a nine-year-old girl takes a lot of pride in that she created completely from scratch. Wow. So that requires animation. It does. And so was the animation done separately, physically, on paper with pen, or literally with a stylus on the computer and and what's the connection between doing that animation and the code yeah 
So it's getting a little technical, but essentially taking a computer file that is like a JPEG, like an image file, um, and once you build that file into the actual program, you can program it to do whatever you want. Now, again, what does that mean, program it to do whatever you want? What does program it mean? Um, you essentially are writing lines of code, telling the image to do something. So, for example, she had an image and she told it every, you know, five seconds, probably less than that, maybe every one second, rotate 90 degrees. So it spins. It spins yep. around. Under and, a disco and, ball. And so what is, give me an example of just what a line of code that tells the computer to do that to that image looks like. I hate to be, well, maybe I'm yeah. crazy for trying to do this, but, you know, again, I'm just trying to understand myself without sitting in front of a computer with you what this means. Oh, it's a good question. Um, and it definitely helps to look at it visually. But essentially, it depends on what language you're working with, right? So it could be as simple as saying, like, name of image dot rotate. Really? Semicolon. <laughs> yes, as simple as that. Um, and again, huh. totally depends on what language you're working with. But and when you say what language, you're talking about various kinds of computer languages. Correct. Uh -huh. So when you go to <clears throat> school to study this, or when girls come to your program to learn how to do this, um, they learn at least one or more languages to use? It depends. Um, we have taught them computer programming first in Scratch, which is a website that doesn't use traditional line-by-line -line coding, um, but uses blocks of code to uh, tell, again, an object to do something. Um, and we have also worked with JavaScript, which is a primarily animation-based um, computer programming language. And you learned how to do this at Loyola? Yes. So here's something that I've always wondered about. I, I understand that Loyola's um, programs, including its <clears throat> its its um, music, its music business, its business programs, are at a pretty high level, and yeah. and and people come from all over the country to to take the program there, but they don't have a very high quotient of students from New Orleans. Is that true? Um, it is true. The majority of the people that I was in classes with were from other places. Why is and, that? Uh, well, I think that Loyola as a university should and could do a much better job of engaging local schools in New Orleans. And I think they're starting to do that mm -hmm. now. Um, but so there's a huge opportunity local there. schools, you mean the high schools? Yep, high mm -hmm. schools. And attracting the students to come to Loyola. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Is it expensive? Is that one of the reasons why yes. um, we don't have a lot of, because we're still a relatively poor city yes. when you're talking about our public school system. Oh, yes, that's certainly one of the larger reasons. So it would really be helpful if there was more sponsorship of scholarships for students in New Orleans, similar to the... Um, the TOPS program yes. or uh, some of the other um, scholarship programs that are funded by people. And I hate to be talking about this right now because, of course, as we know, the state um, actually just has been cutting back on those scholarship programs. Exactly. So 
I hope that won't be a long-lasting. Um, yeah. So, what do you think about that whole situation? Uh, is that something you're you're tackling and thinking about, or or your your focus is pretty simply and straightforward, trying to engage young women in doing technical tasks on computers? Right. So, I think um, you know, aside from computers, actually, a lot of what we focus on is the hardware. So, teaching girls how to build circuits from scratch. Whoa. Right. What does that mean? So uh, essentially, you know, it all has to do with creating a circuit. It, it's very simple, right? So you have a power source, like a battery, that can do a bunch of things. So just like we're turning on lights right now um, with a power source, we can turn on LEDs using a battery pack. We can turn on motors right, to, that are used with a battery pack, and those can be um, arranged and manipulated in ways that the girls are able to create their own inventions. For example? For example, um, just last week, I guess two weeks ago now, at New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, we hosted an event um, where we took a bunch of girls, got them uh, to skip school for a day and come do a field trip at our electric girls tent where we taught them electronics in one day and their challenge was to build a device, come up with a device that is useful in some way. Right? And that is completely ambiguous and that is our intention is to have the girls sit down, go through the process of you know, coming up with the idea, designing what they want, prototyping it, etc. And some of the things that came out of it were really incredible. So these are girls who have never soldered before, right, using a soldering iron. Um, and they came out, we had uh, like a um, personal massager that uses vibration motors that you can put on your body and actually massage you. That is, I mean, this is made completely from scratch, no kits, not, nothing. Didn't tell them to make that either. We had an automatic dog feeder where you press a button and a motor spins and opens up a trap door. Um, all sorts of different so light-up objects. So I can be away objects. from home. Can I do that remotely? Totally. Yeah, so I can feed my dog when I don't get home on time. Oh, yes. Yeah, there are ways <laughs> to do that. So hers was not equipped to work with a remote. No, but, uh, but you remote, can. You could hook, the, hook yeah, it up to do of that. Course. Yeah. Of course. That's like the, um, what is that? I bought that system to control the heat and cold once. I forget what it, what is it called, that the circle thing. And uh, it was too complicated for my feeble brain to handle, so I canceled out of it. But yeah, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of thing. It's a remote control device. So, so what, where, how do you see this going forward? Um, do you see there, is there a trend? Do you think that more and more women will become more tech savvy? and get involved with technological jobs. And, um, you know, I keep hearing about the culture mm -hmm. uh, in the tech world is very macho. And um, I saw a quote in, I think, one of your materials about, um, you know, uh, a, a woman asking a tech question and being told it was an idiotic question and then a guy asking the same question and saying, oh, that's thoughtful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there there really is a culture out there to deal with. So. Do you do you deal do you address that also with your gals? I mean, is it a question of sort of empowering them not to be put off by that kind of psychological 
um, framing as well as how to do the technical work and not be intimidated by it. Yeah, that's interesting because one of the larger reasons that we focus on girls ages 9 to 14 is that, you know, research shows that that's the age where girls will start vocalizing, I'm not good at math, I'm not good at science, when that's mm. actually not always true. Mm -hmm. So, interestingly, we actually... You know, in the bulk of electric girls programming, don't discuss like, okay, that we're here because we have to crush this gender gap in the tech world, <laughs> quite frankly, because the girls don't care about that. They yeah. want to come in, they want to do something cool, um, and they are empowered when they come out and they learn how to build something, they learn how to build a parallel circuit and can take it back into their science classroom and teach boys and girls, you know, in their fifth or sixth grade science classroom how to do what they did, I do think that there is a trend um, that that sort of culture will no longer be accepted. Uh, I think especially New Orleans has been particularly nurturing of changing that culture. Do you think so? I do think so. Uh, tell me why you say that, because, you know, one of the things that's always been a kind of concern in the back of my mind is we're presenting ourselves as really growing in the entrepreneurial and tech fields and I'm saying really because my uh, my theory is that and this comes out of my own prejudice because I'm very oriented towards the creative industries so when people say that to me I say you know to me the m most of the people that I interface with who are new to the city are not so much entrepreneurial and tech as they are creative. And so I just wonder, you, but you really do feel that we are embracing tech and entrepreneurism and, and, and chasing it and, and upping the ante? I do think so. And, you know, well, again, you, part well, of this comes from what? my prejudice, right, mm -hmm. being involved in an entrepreneurial community. Um, there are several organizations in this city who I think are working directly to um, foster entrepreneurialism as well as entrepreneurialism for uh, females. Like, like who in particular are you, are you right. interested So for example, um, the organization Look Far, the software development company, uh, this year they began an award that is the Ada Lovelace Woman in Technology of the Year Award, which is specific to New Orleans. She was like one of the founders of artificial intelligence, am I right? Um, she is one of the original beginning computer programmers, so I don't know if okay. that communicates to, corresponds to artificial intelligence, but somewhere down the line it has to. Yeah. But she, but she is one of the people that was talked about in, in Walt Isaacson's book about innovators that name rings a bell maybe it's not that same person i don't know you should take a look at that book i though. will yeah um, all right so go ahead right um we have a very active um new orleans women in technology chapter so they put on events you know every few months and one of them in particular is bring your daughter to hack day right so it's specifically focused in getting young girls into um technology whether it be hardware or software. Huh. And, and you're getting a good... How, how, do those, how do you find those people? Where are they coming from? How do they... 
you know, how do they self-identify or find you? I mean, you mean in, in other words, I'd like to encourage people in the, my audience who right. have a daughter that they think might possibly have an interest. How do they help their daughter pursue technology? Well, definitely take a look at what some of these organizations are doing. So a lot of these events that occur on weekends, um, specifically for young children, are free or at very low cost um, and can facilitate um, really hands-on experience with technology. Um, and that's for boys and girls in this city. And, and so how, if, if, if I wanted my daughter to come to another, how would I find you? How would I find the programs? Well, we communicate um, to parents, you know, through parent advertising, uh, you know, different moms, blogs, et cetera. But we also communicate to schools um, and community programs to tell them that, you know, here's an option for summer camp, low cost. We offer scholarships as well um, for your girl to come in and get involved in technology. So here's what I would like you to do. Um, I, I want you to keep me informed. I'm going to make sure that you have, you have my uh, email, don't you? Yes. Actually, I just said it on the air to everybody. <laughs> but um, if you would um, keep me informed of these, I will include it in my newsletter every Great. week when I put it out. Definitely. And, and let people know about it. Because I, I couldn't think of anything more important. And, you know, I was one of those people who, around that age, or really before that even, said, I'm not good at math. And yep. here's the irony at, of, of it. And I actually, at a point in, in school when I was essentially um, focusing on social studies and, and English and, and French, I took trigonometry as an advance. I don't, ask, I don't even know what trigonometry is. I don't know why I took it. But it was just this, like, stubborn thing of, uh, I can't do math. Well, I'm going to take trigonometry. And right on. I, 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 as I say, it's worthless to me because I had no right. idea what it was. But... Interestingly, I say I'm bad at math, but very often when I look at a budget that is the last thing I want to look at, I will find so many things in it that I will question and see that it's not quite right, either in the addition or the or the placement of it or whatever. And I, and I say to myself, you know, I'm really not that bad at math. I just have a phobia about it. I right. don't like like dealing with it. it it scares me it's very interesting and i don't know why i don't know what is it about math that's so scary it's a great question i still remember that day in fourth grade when i considered myself a straight a student super smart fourth grade i did not understand long division whatsoever couldn't do it got held back in recess and that was the day one of my fear of math i'll never forget it i'll bet uh yeah formative moment but, you know, there's a whole bunch of research and opinions about why there is a phobia of math. I mean, specifically what I researched was for girls at that age. Um, and I think a lot of it is, I think, two things. I think a lot of it is social. I think that, um, secondly, that math is not taught in an applicated, like an application sense, in the way that you just described, it's right? It's too abstract. You're looking at something, right? It's too abstract, and that's always changing. Um, there's all kinds of initiatives working to make math more applicable and more um, in connection with other subjects. Hmm. 
know. Well, maybe I would be a better math student if I were taking it today <laughs> than I was back then. But mm -hmm. I, I, I remember that I used to have to have my mother coach me to get through junior high school algebra. So that's how bad I was. And I don't think I was phobic at that point so much as that I, I just wasn't real good at it. I don't know. When is your next session that you are offering for girls to come to? So our real big one is summer camp. So if you go to www.electricgirls.org, you can find applications for our summer camp, which will be running all of June, July, and a week of August. Um, second thing is we will have a little display at the New Orleans Maker Fair, which is on April 9th. That is at Bricolage on Esplanade. Um, that, I believe, is very low cost for families. Um, How does somebody find out about the New Orleans Makers Fair? Uh, you would definitely look up New Orleans Maker Fair, yeah. and you would find it. Yeah. I don't okay. know the exact website. And, and pro approximately when is that? That is April 9th. April 9th, okay. So that's coming right up. Mm -hmm. All right, y'all out there, uh, mothers of um, young women with uh, math phobia. Um, you know, technology is 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 basically the highway and the factory of the future. Um, we've got to deal with it, and even if you're dealing with creative pursuits, basically, um, uh, you, you would you you you've got to really. Um, um, know how to deal with the technology because that is going to enable you to be able to get what you're doing out to the rest of the world. That's, right. well, that's what it's all about. Technology in the way that we apply it, of course, is actually very creative, right? So the things that I described, like a, a vibration motor massager or a opening a trap door opening cat feeder, those things, you know, they're not boring. They're very creative. Really, I, I I I love that idea. I love the idea of being able to invent. Um, I'm a creative type, and I have I have often had invention ideas, but no idea how to pursue them. So it sounds to me like that uh, this would be an important opportunity for folks. All right, so this has been Flora. And Floor, no A. Sorry, just plain Floor. Yes. Okay, you probably you have had to it tell right people. the first time, I, I, but you probably have to tell that to people. Um, I do constantly, right? Because my um, whole life, yeah. Um, and um, she's with an organization called Electric Girls. Electric Girls, and um, she has a summer program coming up. You want to go check that out? The summer camp for Electric Girls online, and also the Makers Fair um, that's coming up on April 9th. Love what you're doing. I think it's really important. Thank you. And um, uh, critical. So we're going to move on to our next um, guest, if you don't mind, and if you can hang in, great. Um, and uh, we're, this is like, now, now we're just going outside. We've been inside, and we're going straight outside, and, and we're going to be talking um, really about uh, – gardening and it is that time of the year when it really works that's why they always do this event at this time of the year and I, i'm you know it's one of my favorite events it is the big um uh, uh weekend of garden show at the botanical gardens and i i'm thrilled to be able to uh look into what's going on with it and 
um, we have with us, and I'm trying to get my information up. So tell me um, again who you are and and um, what your role is, and then we're going to talk about what's new about the Garden Show this year. Because I know you got some new stuff. You always do. Yeah. So I'm Lee Rouse. I'm with the LSU Ag Center. Uh, we're putting on the Spring Garden Show this year. Um, more specifically, uh, my job title is uh, the horticulture agent for Orleans Parish. And so myself and Sarah Everhart, who's the Jefferson Parish horticulture agent, we both work together very closely to put on the Spring Garden Show over at City Park each year. And um, it's a huge show. Yes. I mean, that, that's what I love about it is that this, it's so – have you ever been to the Garden, garden I have show? not. It is amazing because whatever you if, – if you're sort of a prissy gardener and you like everything, mm-hmm. the little cute little pansies right in their place or um, your um, caladium, is that what they're called? Those, Those little red plants that I actually hate. Um, you know, lined they're up. They're so easy to grow. I, I just, I just, um, that's just not my thing. So easy to grow. So my garden right now is absolutely taken over by Chinese fan palm babies. Oh. So I, I always loved my Chinese fan palm, so I bought a few too many of them, I uh-huh. think. And then there's something about my garden that they love. And so these babies keep sprouting up all over the garden. Yeah, and now I have a huge, I mean, we're about a third of an acre uh, on Esplanades because it's an unusually large, you know, um, um, site. And, God, they're just all over the place. Very, very easy to grow. I'm living in South Louisiana, uh, in New Orleans, in fact. It's, we have a lot of palms that can reseed. Uh, in fact, a lot of the palms you see in City Park uh, they're kind of randomized out in the uh, open in the wild. Those have been uh, just cast seeds that have sprouted and grown. And, but uh, I thought those were that other kind of palm. That's a sable palm, uh, which is one of our natives. But it, um, just like many other palms, queen palms, Chinese fan palms, um, they're all going to seed and they're going to be viable here, which is, in a way, it's a good thing. If you can dig them up when they're babies, you can plant them in, in your garden, wherever you would like, yeah, give them I'm, away to friends. I, I tell people another thing I'm not uh, good at that I'm kind of phobic at is um, dealing with a garden. I love to design it, and I have this many garden books. But <laughs> when it comes to actually planting or pruning, I'm a total flop. I can only weed and water. Those I'm are the good two most important and things in gardening. Those are the two Two reasons why most people fail when they're gardening is they don't weed enough and they don't either overwater or underwater. They don't hit it in that sweet spot of the exact amount of water that the plant oh, needs. That's so interesting. I had but, no idea. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Now, I also have the problem in my garden that we, uh, there's so many oak trees and Chinese fan palms yeah. all over the place that it's really hard for me to grow flowering things underneath them. But let me come back to the um, garden show, and then um, I'll come back to um, you know my personal consultation with you yeah. as we go forward. I'm sure that, that happens to you a lot in these interviews. Every person I come in, <laughs> in contact it's, with. It's like meeting a doctor at a party. You know, Doc, I've been <laughs> having this, you know. So um, what's, what have you got this year? What's new this year? So, speaking about Chinese fan palms taking over your garden, we have uh, Chinese lights, or China lights, it's oh, called, right, at right. A City Park. Uh, that has kind of taken over probably about 60% of the uh, botanic gardens. 
percent. Wow. 60%. So it's a big thing. Yes, How did that come to be, by the way? And where did that stuff come from? I've seen it. It's big. It it's beautiful, everybody. It's very bright. It's really something different. Uh, it actually came from China. It's a touring exposition. It's a kind of an art. Uh, it's it's steel wrapped in different color uh, silk, and it's underlit with lights. And um, so I believe it was in Memphis beforehand, before it got to New Orleans, and it's a touring uh, exhibit. So it's going to go to another city after this. Not entirely sure uh, which one. But it's taken up probably about 60% of the garden right now. So... Where we've had 100 oh, wow. vendors yeah. in the entire botanic gardens, we're going to have to shove them into about 40% uh, of, the of, space. The, of the garden. Yes, ma'am. So that actually, I, I can see some benefit to that because with it being more concentrated. It will. I think it's going to be a little bit more intimate. Yeah. It will be easier to pull your wagon around and collect the, all the little plants that you want to put together. Um, right. One of my favorites has always been the exotic plant people from up up. River. I don't remember their name at the moment, but hmm. that's where I get things like, um, you know, exotic banana plants from Indonesia and Brazil. You might be talking about Sunrise Trading Company. No, but let they, me write that one down. Well, they have a, they are upriver. They're uh, in Kenner, uh-huh. uh, just slightly upriver, and they have a lot of exotic. Sunshine. Sunrise Trading Company. Sunrise Trading Company. Yes, okay. The other one is um, a little further upriver, and it's um, oh, I'll, 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 I'll think of the name. It's a one-word name, but um, they deal with exotics. And so, if you want the uh, what's that flower from Hawaii? Um, plumeria. Plumerias, that kind of thing. You're going to go to these people because that's what they specialize in, and they also have lots of azaleas and. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we do have a vendor called uh, Plumeria Crazy oh, yeah. uh, who sells all different types of Plumeria. And uh, Plumeria is the flower they use in Hawaii to make the lays, yeah. the, the real lays. And they're, so. very, they're just incredibly fragrant. That's one of the, They're beautiful in color, but they're also very fragrant. The only mm-hmm. trouble with them is I've been hauling them in and out of the garden into the house for the winter, mm-hmm. and I think I'm sort of tired of doing that. I'm going to plant them <laughs> in the ground and just say, hey, guys, See if hope they you can make it. survive you know? the freezes. <laughs> really, you know, you're on they your might. own. You know, we got we barely got a frost this year. Uh, we had a mild freeze last year, so they might be able to make it. Well, you never know. That's the trouble. You know, every mm-hmm. 10 years, it's going to be some really horrible freeze, <laughs> and you lose everything. But, um, okay, so what else you got? So one uh, fellow I'm very excited about is Severn Dowdy. Uh, with Firefly Nursery. He is a breeder, um, from what I've kind of gathered following him on Facebook. Uh, and he breeds a lot of cycads, which is our uh, plant similar. Uh, the sago palm is in the cycad family. It's not a true palm. It's actually more closely related to the pine tree. And he does... Uh, a sago is related to a pine tree. That's interesting. I never yes, knew that. Ma'am. And I have a bunch of sagos on my property. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a gymnosperm. So if you ever see the cone come up out of the uh, oh, center yeah. of it oh, and yeah. the, the seed, mm-hmm. it's, it's more closely resembles a uh, pine, pine cone. Yeah. I never made that connection. Yeah. I should have. Yeah. Which I always thought was kind of unique that a lot of people put a, um, a Sago palm frond in the back of their car for Palm Sunday. Yeah. Or from Palm Sunday. Yeah. So being a horticulturalist, I always joke, well, maybe we should call it Cycad Sunday instead of Palm Sunday. But <laughs> okay. that's just a horticulture joke <laughs> Yeah. That, that only I like. <laughs> I can appreciate it, though. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he, he does a lot of breeding of cycads. He does a lot of breeding of orchids. 
and bromeliads and some begonias. And so he's got a lot of unique stuff. Um, in fact, the stuff that he's bred, obviously you wouldn't be able to get any place else because he had the two parent plants that he bred it from. Uh-huh. Um, I'm very excited about that. Excited about the um, the Orchid Society coming. Uh, and this is a group of people that are just very, very interested in orchids. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's just homeowners, some people have uh, college education, some horticulturalists uh, in in orchids production, and um, and so they get together. It's a club, it's a society, and they they grow orchids and they sell them. Yeah, the only trouble with orchids, I love orchids, but um, I, out of about twenty orchids that I've bought, one rebloomed. <laughs> really? You have to wait kind of quite a while on some of them for them to yeah, rebloom. Yeah, well, I've got some up there on top of my refrigerator that have been there for about uh, maybe a decade that have never rebloomed, so I don't know. And I, uh, anyway, but they, they're, they're lovely, and they last a long time when they do bloom, so I, if they never bloom again, it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because you do, they do last for quite a long time. Um, what about the natives? I love things like the native azaleas, and I have a hard time finding those. Unfortunately, not not to say there won't be any natives there, but one of the guys who really specialized in natives uh, was a gentleman, Rick Webb was his name, and he had a, owns a nursery called uh, Louisiana Plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be at the show this year. This year, he but he'll be a prior obligation, years. but... Um, but How about the rose girls? Are they all going to be out there with their little samples of all the different roses? The Rose Society is not going to be part of the show oh, this year. I don't believe so. I'm going to miss them. Um, I don't have a list in front of me, but I can remember most things, and I don't think that they were they were a part of it. All right. How uh, about your lectures and your um, programming this year? Uh, that's going to be interesting. That's changed uh, quite drastically from, from last year to this year. So because of China Lights, they have, um, they're utilizing the building that we typically do the education in, in the, that garden study center. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be able to use that. Well, thinking on our feet, what we did was we're going to have a walk and talk. And so we have uh, three educational programs on Saturday and two on Sunday. Uh, and so what we're going to do is utilize the garden, just walk through the garden, um, Oh, my nice. my yeah. partner, Sarah Bertrand, she's going to be uh, doing vegetables. So we're going to take a walk out to the vegetable garden, and she's going to show you the vegetables right there, talk about them, uh, hopefully hopefully see some beneficial insects and be able to identify it and show everybody which bugs are good. Beneficial which... insects. There's a concept. Mm-hmm. I'm not an insect girl. <laughs> I love insects. If I would have taken entomology my first semester of college, I would have been an entomologist. What's your favorite horse. bug? I would have to say the Luna Moth is the my... Luna Moth. I think it was on a on one of the uh, drug commercials on television. Yeah, it was the yeah. the kind of yellow, it's greenish moth. Right. It's Something for pretty. sleeping, yeah. I think. I don't know that I've ever seen one in real life, but um, here's my least favorite, Buck Moth. Oh, the Go stinging away, caterpillar. Buck Moth. Have you ever stepped on one? I have. Oh, I remember being ouch. very young, sticking my hand in a box of toys. And woman's in there, and ah! I got stung, and I've hated them ever on since. On your hand. Yes. Oh, no, as a little <laughs> child, that's terrible. Yes, but the worst is mosquitoes. What's the latest on? You know, there's all these crazy devices, for, mm-hmm. and probably you're going to have some of them out there, I'd imagine, for trying to capture those those guys. And now we're worried about Zika, and that's supposed to be here. Oh, yeah, uh, while we're at it, is Zika here? I believe there's two cases in New Orleans. 
or in Louisiana, maybe not New Orleans specifically. Came from somewhere else or came from here? Came from, uh, I believe, Central America. Okay. Uh, and they're having pretty bad problems with it in Brazil. From what oh, I, hear. I know, yeah. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of research on it extensively. Right. So, but um, it, it does make me feel okay. More than ever, we have to be vigilant about these guys. And yes. I know all the stuff about not having standing water in your yard, mm -hmm. and you're not supposed to have too much foliage. Well, I'm completely covered with foliage, so that's <laughs> the, that's the end of that. That's hard so, to do in New Orleans. So, what, what of all those devices? Is there any one of them that you think really works? Well, let me dispel a myth. Okay. Um, a lot of people plant lemongrass or lemon geraniums in hopes that it will repel the insect, and it does. They don't go near that plant. But if you're sitting <laughs> 10 feet away from it, They're they still come you. eat you. Yeah. So what you want to do is take off pieces of that lemongrass and crush it up and rub it on your on your skin. Ah, so maybe a lemongrass oil that I could buy at Whole Foods might That's work. what I was going to suggest next <laughs> is I actually have uh, some essential oils of lemongrass and mix it up. I don't have the uh, recipe in front of me. My wife does it, but spray it on you, and uh, you're good to go for probably well, about 20 or 30 minutes. that sounds a lot more appealing than um, some of the store-bought chemical yeah, stuff. Yeah, the DEET and mm -hmm. you know, some of the other bug sprays. And you smell a little better, too. Yeah, you know, no. That, actually, this is a very important little piece of information. I'm going to treasure that one for uh, quite a while. Of all the flowering things that you're going to have out there this weekend, um, what, uh, what excites you? Anything new or... Well, one thing I'm really excited about there at the garden show is going to be a company called Dixie Landscaping. Uh, and oh, they I've seen them before. They yeah. also sell plants. Uh, and they're one of the few people who sell six-pack flats of plants. And so typically if you were to go to a nursery, you'd buy a flat of plants, and it would be a, what we call a four-inch container, and there's 18 of them per, in one flat. Uh, but a six-pack flat, it's six-pack. It's six plants in one pack, and there are six packs in a cell. So it's 36 plants that you get in that same size container. And you actually get almost twice the amount of plants, 36 as opposed to 18, for about half the price. So you're kind of getting it at 75% off. Now, it's a much smaller That's a plant. That's deal. It's a much smaller plant, and you do have to stay on top of the watering. It's not going to have a massive root system that you can just stick it in the ground and forget about it for a day or two. So... But you do get your money's worth out of a six-pack flat. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy those. So, I, honestly, uh, to me, one of the pleasures, sometimes I go to the garden show and I don't really, I'm not there to buy so much as I am just out of curiosity. And, by the way, there's some food being served always, so you can always yeah. pick up your lunch there and, and just see people and what they're interested in and what they're up to. I'm always fascinated by what other people are buying and, and what they're planning to do, and, and usually I'll do a little consultation with um, them as well. And um, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, just hang out. It's, it's just a fun place with a lot of fun people. So mm -hmm. I look forward to it. It's Saturday and Sunday. Saturday from 9 to 5, Sunday from 10 to 4. That's correct. Do I have it right? Yes, ma'am. And it's right in the Botanical Garden. Yes, ma'am. At um, City Park. Um, it's the spring garden show. That's correct. And, um, you see, I didn't ask you too many of those terrible, what do I do about questions, did yeah. I? But I have to mention one thing. Um, my, little, uh, my little border collie um, had a 
growth that he had to shoot off, that we had to have removed. Mm -hmm. And um, it got infected with a bacteria that they say is a rare bacteria found in soil. Okay. And I'm shocked by this, and I'm trying to figure out where did this come from? Did it come from my garden? Did it come from City Park? Did it come from... Not being a veterinarian. veterinarian <laughs> so that's a veterinarian what, question. What I would think okay. that it is, you know, most most illnesses that we have is naturally occurring bacteria or, or fungi that just gets in the wrong spot. So um, there's plenty yeah. of good bacteria so there's, in the there's soil. There's stuff out there, and there's nothing you can do about it, but right. if it gets, yeah... I got the I got the drift. Well, he's coming along. I think we're going to be okay. But yeah. it's been a little bit of a scary process when they said there's a rare bacteria found in soil. I said, oh no, my garden's infected. What yeah. do I do now? <laughs> Just got into the wrong wrong spot. Is all. Okay. I don't know. Thank you for coming. Yes, ma'am. And you are you going to be out there, aren't you? I am. So, um, are you like at some county where we can come and consult with you? Well. I'm not going to be, but we are going to have our uh, pathology specialist. So okay. he deals with all the different diseases and problems that can go wrong with plants. And we have our weed specialist that's going to be out there. And they're going to be assisting our volunteer base called the Master Gardeners. Uh -huh. And so we're going to have an Ask a Master Gardener booth. So you can bring your insects, your Is disease. that going to be inside uh, or out? Where is that it's going to be? It's going to be outside. It's going to be next to the fountain in the okay. Azalea Camellia Garden. And you can bring any disease or, or insect or problems that you have, even identification. Uh, and we're going to let them take a stab at it first. And mm -hmm. if they can't get it, they got a good safety net of uh, our Ag Center specialists to, to assist oh, them in answering all right. that. Okay, well, that's, that's, uh, I've got a couple things to bring out there, too. Yes, <laughs> uh, one of my plumerias, poor baby, she just keeps putting out flowers and leaves, and she's got some kind of disease. And so just as the leaf is leafing out, bam, it drops. Oh. And if, if there's something like that that you can't bring in, you can always take a picture of it and email right. it to us. At, right. Uh, oh, where? Yeah. yeah our, we have two different ways you can get in contact with us. One is uh, G-N-O Gardening, as in Greater New Orleans Gardening, at agcenter.lsu.edu, as in education. <laughs> Just a short little... GNO gardening at agcenter.lsu.edu. Okay. All right, folks. So you heard it here. Um, that's real important. Um, yeah, to take a picture and show it. Yeah. And some good pictures, too. I've gotten a few pictures, that you know, in emails. It's just a blur of green, and I have to, you know, tell them, hey, and you just send me some additional pictures and right you know, well my new it. phone did not solve my horrible email problems but it has a 23 pixel camera on it oh that ought to do the trick right stop counting at 12 <laughs> pixels that's a that's my android folks i'm not an iphone person i'm an android person and and it's got it's got the goods wow and now if i can just figure out how to solve my email problems it, it keeps my email my contacts keep duplicating like you know, again, uh -huh. like like plants um, escaping. <laughs> like Chinese fan palm. Thank you. i got to get on to my buddy over here, Brian Knighton, who has done the most magnificent, magical, wonderful thing in the city in a long time. He has opened an art movie house. Now, that doesn't mean it's just strictly art films because you got some cool 
I saw them, some sports thing there. I'm not a sports person, so I don't know what that film was all about. But Neither do I. <laughs> Which <laughs> film was that? Is that uh, so maybe I misread the visual. I thought it was a sports thing. Um, I'm trying to think what. Maybe not. Okay, it wasn't. But at any rate, great films and and a, a, a really lovely interior. I love the interior because it's kind of modern, but it's not cold. It's mm-hmm. not overdone. I just went to the Ace Hotel yesterday, which is this beautiful new Art Deco hotel, and it's like done to the ninth. But your place is kind of simple, but really lovely, and great bar, great drinks, and great films on Broad Street in Mid-City, right, right near Whole Food. I mean, how can you ask for anything more in life than to have a movie theater right in the heart of town, not have to go all the way out to Lakeside or Elmwood or go fight the traffic in the French Quarter to get to Canal Place. Now, Canal Place, I love you, but (laughs) (laughs) don't want to disparage Canal Place, but oh, my goodness. Yeah, Broad's the – I think if Broad is, you know, mid-city saying the heart of the city, I mean, I feel like Broad is the artery that that connects the whole city. 40,000 cars a day traveling Broad. Yep, it's – 40,000. Yeah, it's – so the theater, by the way, is called The Broad. What's your cross street there? We're right at Broad in Orleans. Broad in Orleans because it's that beautiful white mission-style building that's been empty for a century or so. At least. Across from where <laughs> Ruth's Chris used to be and should be now. Can you imagine if they were still there? Oh, that would be amazing. Wouldn't that be something? But you're going to be having food there pretty soon. So yep. that's going to be great. Okay, Brian, where on earth did you get the idea and the willpower to make this happen? It's a big question, Gene. Uh, how long is your show? <laughs> uh, the idea, everyone knows uh, the old movie pictures. That was on Bienville and Carrollton. And it's a true story. I was, uh, I was having dinner with a friend. That I- was furniture you were almost afraid to sit in. Y- correct. That's a we do not have any of that got. furniture. You've got nice... You know, real real theater, theater seats. Theater. Uh, we have risers, the whole bit. But I, I was at uh, having dinner with a friend at Katie's restaurant in Mid City, and we sat next to a couple that were talking about uh, the closing of movie pictures and how the owner was losing the business, etc. So the following day, I went in and spoke to the owner, and he gave me the scoop. And essentially, what happened was uh, he had a lease, and the landlord sold his property to Save a Center. Some of us may remember oh. Save a Center, who didn't technically need the property for extra parking, according to the city, but Save a Center, the corporation, wanted the land just to build a parking lot, and if you go down Bienville today, it's not even a parking lot, it's this, it's this little cordoned off park next to Gambit, um, oh, yeah. so that, that's where it used to be, so I had that idea back in 1999, um, and some things stick we, with you longer than they probably should. Yeah, so I was like 23 years old. Uh, no one would give me a loan to reopen this business. And finally, so you know, why after... Why would they not want to give money to a 23-year-old who wanted to open a failed business? Right. I can't think of why. Well, the owner was happy to share his books with me, and he's like, yeah, here, you know, we've been losing $10,000 a year for the last 10 years. <laughs> he was also a CPA, so who knows? Um <laughs> But anyhow, so that idea stuck with me uh, ever since then. And even I I actually moved. We left for a year right after Katrina. I went up to Baltimore. And I started looking for a property up there to do the same thing. So Hmm. um, So really, you got the bug. Yeah, I had the bug. And, why and, films? Why why theater? What's uh, important to you I've, about I've that? sort of always been on the periphery of film. Um, 
I worked for Tulane for Latin American Studies for uh, about five or six years prior to Katrina, and I ran a film library. It was one of the largest libraries of its kind in the country, a lending library for teachers that's still there. Really? So teachers from all over the country can borrow films uh, for free. From the, It's called the Stone Center for Latin American Studies. And Who knew? Yeah. They're uh, you know based at Tulane, and so I, I ran that film library there, and what happened really was that – so I'd always wanted to do this theater, and then while I was running this film library, um, there was a very large Latin American film distributor out of New York called Lava, and it was Latin American Video Archive, and they actually went under. They didn't go under for any financial reasons. They Keep left – these people who go under. Yeah, you're right. Know. You're right, Gina. I know this is a good <laughs> pattern. Now, she actually, Karen Renucci, uh, was the founder of the company, ran the com- company successfully for a number of years. But then after 9-11, she left the company and left it in the hands of you know whomever uh, to go work for Democracy Now!, where oh, she's still yeah. working. So I picked up – so Katrina happens. We leave town. I get this idea to pick up where Lava left off with distributing Latin American film. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a number of years and actually mm-hmm. still sort of you know dabble in that. Mm-hmm. Um so just working with filmmakers, being on the. I think we a, a, Latin American. Films we will, because uh, you know you were in the middle of. Yeah. Uh, 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 there's a whole lot of Latin American population yeah, in the Mid City area. In September, we're going to have a Latin American film festival. Oh, great! So. Great. But yeah, that's where the idea came from, and it stuck with me forever. And I looked around uh, long and hard for a good venue, and you know it's hard to find space that's affordable. That doesn't require that much build-out and all the right sort of ingredients to make the recipe come together. And I was lucky enough to find this building on Broad. Okay, now finding this building on Broad, to look at that building, I would never have thought that you could put a four-screen film It's funny because people say that. that. Yeah, we have over 12,000 square feet. Um, We have – it's 300 seats in total for the whole theater. We are, the theaters range from 49 seats all the way up to 125 seats in the four different auditoriums. Uh, we have full bar, dining area. We're like a real movie theater. And an event space. And an event space, yeah. Tell we've me had, about that. We've, we've hosted a couple of events so far. We've had some conferences. Um, we had a wrap party, a film wrap party on Monday nights that they partied in the lobby. Uh, we have a, a rap as in a, a production company who is doing yeah when they're done with the film a little finished finished party yeah. yep mm-hmm. um, and then we have one of our auditorium screen two has a bar in the back of it so it and it has a stage in the front so that auditorium will be used for live performances like uh, comedy you know improv that sort of stuff not plays wow, per great. se or even music but mm-hmm. you know, definitely talks panels film festivals if people want to host a special event there we have a birthday party coming up in april they're doing karaoke in the room so <laughs> lots of little things like that um we're trying to be as diverse in our programming and our uh i guess accessibility for people because we're, we're really trying to hit all all markets mm-hmm. uh, possible mm-hmm. so when you say that um, you're an art film house, that probably is off-putting to some folks who think that means, um, I don't know, really esoteric um, films. But uh, actually, all the films that you had when I was there, uh, when was I there, the Sunday before last, mm-hmm. um, they they were not, um, you know, uh, Disney films, but they were 
um, are very accessible. Recently, right. You know. Yeah, they're not all your ride. To, uh, what, what's what's playing right now? Um, right now we have a mix of films that are either Hollywood or independent art house or somewhere in between. We have. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which is Tina Fey's movie. And last weekend, we were the number one theater in the country for that film. <laughs> what? It could be because a lot of other theaters have dropped it, but we had the most sales uh, out of any out of any theater. Well, now that's that's pretty good. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, we have uh, Embrace of the Serpent, which we've also done extremely well with. I haven't Ext- seen that yet, but I'm planning to see that. It leaves. It might leave this week. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but wait, what do you mean by this week? It might leave by Friday or by Thursday. I could be wrong. You can go to thebroadtheater.com and check it out. It it, it may – I'm not 100% sure, Jane. It may leave the following week. Oh, I hope so because I really was planning to see that. Yeah, and that, that's one of those films. And, and then we, we sort of – we opened with a film called Mustang that did really well. Um, we saw Mustang. That's yeah, what we saw. That, those sorts of films – Mustang, everybody sort of warned me, oh, it was going to be really tough, that it was really sad. It wasn't at all. And not to me at all. I mean, yeah. this was um, a film about women in Pakistan who um, – Turkey. Uh, rather, Turkey, who were uh, pretty much under the thumb of the old um, cultural system and were getting married off at a young age and being abused. I couldn't believe it. But Sounds the, uplifting. The person who I was with <laughs> – uh, did not realize that they were being abused by their uncle, and uh, it was subtle but unmistakable. It was not. Yeah, you're right. It was uh, was unmistakable, and I didn't catch it the first time, but then the second you time, I either. thought the same thing. I asked the person I was you with. See, maybe it's a it's a female thing. Yeah, you can figure you figured it out because I, I I noticed. Did you see the film? Uh, I I noticed it immediately. Yeah. Uh, the the minute he just you know you watched him go from one room to another, I knew exactly right, what was right, going on. Right. 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 Um, but my uh, friend that I was with. Did not figure that out at all. I was really surprised. But in the end, it's an empowering film. Yeah, it was great. It's really about the young um, gal who just fights her way out of mm-hmm. it. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, yeah, but you know, art house films is you know how the industry terms it. They are more thoughtful films, um, more storytelling, more creativity, more artistic than your sort of. Um, you know, your Hollywood films that are very, very scripted. Uh, and that, I, I don't mean scripted in the sense of there's a script. I mean scripted in the sense of they know what it takes. Formulaic. to Formulaic is the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they know what it takes to make a Hollywood blockbuster. And, yeah. you know, Batman versus Superman yeah. or uh, Deadpool, uh, these, these sorts of films. Yeah. But we, we do have plans to sh- – like out of Batman versus Superman and Deadpool, we, we would have shown Deadpool had we been open. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are trying to – be a mix of art house and Hollywood stuff mm-hmm. because there is a local market that wants to see Hollywood films and right. they're being they're well, underserved at the right. moment so we're trying to fill that void of a mix. So what was the fourth film? You had one other film. Um, That's the one I thought was a sports film, but maybe, maybe I misread the visual. Right now we have a movie called They're Watching, which is sort of this campy horror movie. Um, that is, it's about a home improvement show that goes to Moldova. Like, you know, these, oh, Jack and Jill want to move to Moldova and they're looking for a house. So that's it. Yeah, it's a pretty funny uh, film. Um, we just got uh, Coming Home, which is a Chinese film with Gong Li. She's the actress. That's the guy who, that's the filmmaker who did The Red Lantern, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I what think I think so, yeah. Um, 
What else do we have? We have we had Mad Tiger, a documentary about P. Lander Z, which was fun, and that P. Lander Z played this weekend, so we showed the film. P. Lander Z is a yeah. Japanese uh, performance art group. Um, so there's a, a, a new documentary about them. I think that's it. That's oh, we have The Revenant as well. Oh, yeah. I'm and not going to go to that. The Revenant's fantastic. I know, but I can't handle any violence. It's it's not terribly violent. And and it's not. It's um, really good. And it's also, right. for all you guys it listening, like it's, supposed to be good. it's not about Leonardo DiCaprio. It's not, a, it's not a Leonardo. It's not the Titanic. It's a fantastic movie. He plays such a great role that you don't even know it's him. You don't even realize it's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's fantastic. But doesn't he get mauled by a bear? Yeah, for a couple of minutes. And then what and happens? And right at the beginning. The, and then what then he gets mauled the by a lion. Then he gets mauled by a – no. Uh, what happens to the bear? Well, you'll have to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm not going to that movie. It's fantastic. And it's beautifully shot. I'm sure uh, it, it took over a year and a half to film. It was shot at dusk basically for a year and a half. You know, An hour and a half of sunlight is when they shot this movie. Yeah. No, no smiles. Mm-hmm. Very dark. Very, you know, the lighting is fantastic. It's mm. it's a good film. Yeah, violence. No. Yeah, but that's that. <laughs> that's right. what we have. I can I can see that somebody else might want to go to it. Well, all right. So Broad Street. Broad and, Street. And how's that working? Well, tell me about the people because the night that I was there, what I was absolutely appalled by. Not appalled. I was shocked at how many people came in that I knew. Mm-hmm. It was like I Gene, just you know there. everyone. <laughs> well, no, but it, 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 what it said to me was there's, you know, it's a it's a thing about the demographics and 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 who's coming. So, give me yeah. a little bit of a flavor of that. That's a good question. We think we're actually going to survey our our customers this weekend just to sort of see who they are, what they want, et cetera. Um, but I, I, they're 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 from across the board. Uh, we have a lot of young people that come in, a lot of local people, like neighborhood people who are coming in, um, older folks who are driving in from uptown. Uh, again, it seems like they're really coming from it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the best the, the best comment I heard the other day from a lady that I, that I know who lives uptown, I just moved from uptown to Bayou St. John, and she said, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I had no idea you were this close. Like, really, we're 10 minutes from uptown. Yeah. So it was really nice to hear. Broad, broad, is, broad like, is a great you know, street. That's how I go uptown all the time. Yeah. It's by Broad because you shoot over on Napoleon when it isn't under construction. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you, you go can on get, Dome yeah. You can go from Carrollton to Broadmoor. It's that street that shoots off Napoleon. Fountain Blue. Fountain Blue. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's the easy way to go. Yeah, we have a lot of folks from Gentilly coming over. Mm-hmm. Um Anywhere. I saw some people from Gentilly there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of bicyclists. Okay. How do you find out what's playing and what the times are, et cetera? Because um, I tried to call once and I didn't have a whole lot of luck. And I and I and I heard that from my manager. You might have told them or something. I might have, I might have <laughs> so we now have a telephone happened. number which I do not have. Uh, ah, you're on a radio show. Yeah, you don't have your phone I do number. have uh, the internet website. It's oh, called okay. thebroadtheater.com. Oh, the. mm-hmm. Yeah, thebroadtheater.com. Okay. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can just look up the Broad Theater New Orleans. We're there. Um, mm-hmm. But you know the web is probably the best way to get in touch with us. Okay. All right. Well, let me know what the phone number is, and I'll put it in my... I think it's 218-0038. 218-0038. Okay. Well, we're carrying your information on our little newsletter. 
Thank and you. so we'll make sure we have it in there. So you can go to our newsletter, folks, and um, if you don't get it, go to crosstownconversations.com and you will see it there. And um, Brian, thank you for doing that. And I'm so thrilled, Lee, with the fabulous uh, garden and electric girls. Yay. Get those girls <laughs> into the new technology and the new economy. This is Jean Nathan, Crosstown Conversations. See you all next week. 